Hello, and welcome to Talk Social to Me. This is your host, Mackenzie, and today I am joined, as ever, by lovely Ben. Today we're kind of giving you the quick fire news and everything and anything that is going on in social media. We talk about Be Real, yes, Be Real once again, and a couple of the changes and things that are going on at Instagram. So let's just dive right into it. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? Living life. Living life. Can't complain. I hear that you've got a little flex tip today. Of course, absolutely. With a song that good, the tip's got to be good too. So I got a good one for, <laughs> for you today. So it's it's an old oldie but a goodie. So it's basically a way that you can get more engagement onto any new Instagram post. So when you're posting something out, obviously you want to reply to any comment that you receive. It's always a great idea to build a community that way. But you have the option to also like those comments. And so if you don't like them, initially but you can go back later when you post your next piece of content and go back to the previous piece of content and then like all of the comments that's going to send all those people who obviously were interested in that piece of content and your content a notification so that they come check out your page and see your new post so it's a great way to get the people who are really engaged to actually see your content and likely get some early engagement on your next piece of post next piece of content that's actually really Like, that's incredible. I never actually thought about that. And that's such an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's super easy to get into the rhythm of it as well. Like just always reply quickly, but then leave them unliked and then do it all at one go when you're posting your next piece. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. What are we talking about today? Oh, man, I just there's so much news that happened this past week that I feel like I just need to do some like quick fires before we get into like the juicy stuff, because there's just so much. So first things first is lovely Elon Musk. The judge denied him his attempt to delay the Twitter trial after everything with the whistleblower and all that kind of stuff. So apparently the judge was like, no bueno, you can't do this. And he wanted, I think, just like a few more weeks extended. And so, nope, that's not happening. The deadline for the trial or the trial start date is actually October 17th. So I will have a big bowl of popcorn in front of my computer on that day and just like kind of watching and seeing what's going to happen. Wow. So what do you know why he wanted the extra time? I think they wanted to look through some phone records. They wanted to kind of go through some more data um, with Twitter. And so I feel like his attorney was trying to get as much information as possible. But also delaying is always a good thing for the person who's trying to not buy something. We'll see what happens. What do you think? Do you think that he's going to get out of buying this or do you think he's going to have to? I think I honestly, I have no legal experience whatsoever or have not even looked into the legalities of this situation. I hope that he gets forced to buy it truthfully, but, uh, <laughs> but I have no idea what the likelihood of that happening is. So I'll be watching like a like some, some someone of interest like yourself. So I'll be paying close attention, but it could go either way for me. Yeah, same. I kind of hope he does have to buy it just because he's been talking about it and wanting to buy it for so long that I hope it's not just a ploy to get data from Twitter and then like Twitter fails and he makes his own thing. It would be interesting if that happened, but I kind of hope it doesn't and that he kind of maybe tweaks Twitter and we can see what other things happen with Twitter because I feel like Twitter under Elon could be very interesting. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show before, but I was super excited to see what kind of new ideas he'd bring to the social space because I think there's a lot of ideas that get copied often, but that's not really his thing. He's very much of an original outside-the-box thinker. 
So that would have been really cool to see how that impact would have been felt in, in a space that we're in every single day. So selfishly, I was hoping that he would buy it <laughs> so I could see. But we'll see. Uh, either way, I think it'll be fine for him. Yeah. Well, and then the number one thing that he said that he would get done is now almost completely completed at Twitter is the edit button. So they were doing a beta test for Twitter blue subscribers and you mm. could start editing, but I think the developers are still working on it and they're actually releasing the beta for actual Twitter users and not just subscribers. Because I think the biggest thing is, is that they wanted it to actually say that it was edited like underneath the tweet. Because if, say, a tweet went viral and then somebody was saying something like really nice in the tweet and then they edit it after oh. it went viral. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about it from that. See, I was just thinking about it from a pure user point of view where I always make spelling errors and I'm like, damn, I, I wish <laughs> I wish I could change that right now, but you can't. So, but that is a very good point too of like what kind of impact that could have from going back and changing something that's popping off. And that's what they said was like the biggest reason why they didn't want to introduce the edit button for so long is just because of something like that could happen. And so they're adding that piece onto the tweet. And I think you only have about 30 minutes to actually change the tweet. So if something popped off and like days later, you wouldn't be able to actually go in and edit. Yeah, that, that was going to be my suggestion for a solution right there was, could you not just put it into the first like 15, 20 minutes? <laughs> Time whatever. frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad we're all on the same page. Yeah. And I think there's only like a certain amount of times that you're allowed to actually edit it. So I think I think they were saying like two to three times. So... We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I would personally like that because I'm notorious for making like little smelling, spelling errors where I'm Same. like, dang, I wish I could go back and, and change that. It'd be so simple, but we'll see. I definitely wouldn't, I wouldn't pay for that. I don't think. No. And I think what Twitter blue is like four ninety nine or something and they're actually upping the price of it soon. So I'm like, mm, am I going to actually pay just to edit something? No, I'll just delete it. Um, and then I don't know if you heard about this, but everything going on with Instagram, they were actually fined $402 million for mishandling teens data on the app. So what does that entail? How does one mishandle the data? It's a very good question. So basically they have to pay it to Ireland and it was like an investigation that was going on for about two years and they said the final decision on this matter was the end of this week. The investigation leading started almost two years ago and focused on two ways in which the company allegedly breached GDPR rules. The first was Instagram allowing young users ages 13 to 17 to set up business accounts on the platform, which made those users' contact information like publicly available. And then Instagram also allegedly made the accounts of some users public by default, which wasn't a good thing. Okay. That's interesting. And so I feel like there, that could be a trickle-down effect of that kind of similar impact being felt in many countries. Yeah, and I think that this is probably just like the start of like data breach with when it comes to Instagram and like actually it starts in Ireland, but who's to say that it doesn't happen all over Europe and that more European countries start coming forward and saying, hey, like you're actually releasing this data as well. You need to find, like pay us a fine as well. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's such a huge amount of money, too. So obviously, if that's a one-time thing, not that big of a deal. But over the course of a ton of countries, that is a slippery slope. And that's that's one of the craziest things about the space that we're in is that the laws are not at a place where they're caught up to the technology that they're being enforced on. So it is really interesting to see how they're paving the way for what will probably be normal things in the future. 
Well, and it's curious because what law should it fall under? Should it fall under the U.S. law, which is where most of these companies are based, or should it fall under the EU? Like, where does the international line come into play? Like, yes, Facebook does, or Meta does have companies and like offices in other countries, but its headquarters isn't there. Their headquarters is in San Francisco. Yeah, I feel like if you're operating in a country and you're making money from a country, it's on you to understand the the laws within that country. That's my, that'd be my opinion on it. I feel yeah, like, I feel like if you're making money there, you should know how to operate and govern business in that area. But it, yeah, it, it does become a logistical nightmare when you're operating in every country in the world, pretty much. Absolutely. Like, but they're also a multi-billion-dollar company. Like, I'm sure they can pay <laughs> to figure this stuff out. You'd hope so. You'd hope that they have like lawyers on hand going. Don't do this. Excuse me, excuse me, Zuck. Like you can't yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, if if they didn't, I'm sure they will now. After this, you could <laughs> hire a bunch of lawyers for 405 mil. Yeah, exactly. There you go. The other thing that I saw this week, I actually saw this today, China. They have now made it to where if you screenshot something on a certain website that isn't supposed to be public knowledge, they will actually fingerprint that screenshot. So if you share it to another platform, they can they the digital fingerprint is on that screenshot and they know exactly which user, like the IP, all that kind of stuff. So is this to stop whistleblowing or like what what is the application of this? I'm not hundred percent sure. It was just like announced in this article that I saw earlier. Let me pull it up actually. And what kind of things are not supposed to be posted onto other websites? Let's see. So it was a Vice article. So if you don't like Vice, take this with a grain of salt. I don't, I'm just going to post that out there. But basically it says sharing screenshots of sensitive content in China has just become more risky. More Chinese social media services are putting hidden watermarks on screenshots that make the images traceable no matter where they are shared. A feature that an analyst said could prevent the spread of censored content. So I'm sure it's like, if there's somebody in the country that's like, hey, this is actually not right and like takes a screenshot of something from another website and p- tries to like say they go out of the country or they try to post it somewhere else on a VPN, then they can get into some serious trouble. Wow, that's crazy. That's yeah, I guess they obviously want to enforce the censorship that they're trying to with to have in place. So that's that's crazy. Technology is nuts. Like just the idea of the fact that it can be like there's a certain digital fingerprint on an image that you screenshot from your phone yeah i kind of like it though because a lot of people feel like they can hide behind their devices and there's no repercussions for their actions done through it so as much as i i actually am not like that against that that concept i'm not against censorship of it any sorry i'm not for censorship of any kind but the whole having to stand behind what you say online i'm kind of for that Yeah, I get standing behind what you say, but I think this is like something completely different. This is like, say that there's something going on on a certain website that you're trying to call out. You are trying to be a whistleblower. Yes, while it sucks that like maybe you're going against your country or maybe you're going against certain things, I just don't think that it's safe or fair for them to be like, track your device, have this digital fingerprint on an image that you fucking screenshot. But that's China in general, right? Like, I'm not so deep within their understanding of, of, of how they govern things, but aren't they quite censored across the board? And, and don't they have these kind of like digital passports where everything's being tracked as is? Like, isn't that more yeah. of a, a country problem? I, I definitely think that's, there should be freedom of speech 
uh, completely and being able to disclose when things are against the grain and things that should not be in place. But yeah, I, I've never been to China. I, I'm not familiar with, with all the things, but it seems like things are quite restricted in terms of what you can even have access to. And hopefully there's not a trickle down effect of, of people that less gets out now, which I'm sure that's what they're trying to do, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of scary that, I mean, obviously I know that all of our devices are tracking us and that the government can have access to us at any point in time. I guess that's like just another added layer that I have never thought about. And it's kind of, it's a little scary just to be like, oh, well, they know exactly who posted this because of this certain digital fingerprint. Yeah, yeah, it definitely benefits the, the people trying to keep things under wraps, which is scary. But yeah, it's just, as I guess, with a country that has that much power over the people, if they can make the technology, they're, they're going to enforce it. They're going to do it. Yeah. yeah also, have you seen the latest and greatest data that's just come out about Gen Z's online? I have not. I'm excited to hear about this though. So it's something that I have always heard. So my friend's little sister, she's a Gen Z and she's like, I don't understand why you guys are on social media all the time. I'm never on social media. And the data proves that Gen Zs are more online and active and engaged than any other generation. Yeah, I feel like I, I totally would believe that. But you're right. They, they like to act as if they don't. Yeah. But I, I, that, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> that they are actually more active but say that they're less active. Yeah, no, because I feel like a lot of these trends or things or big influencers, a big chunk of their following have to be Gen Z and for them to grow this following, they have to be using the app to grow the following. So I, I feel like that's more of a, more of a something that they were trying to act as if it was the case, but it's definitely not. So that's interesting. And how, what was the disparity? Like how much more were they on there? Um, let's see. So the average monthly hours per user. So let's see. In fact, in both Germany and the U S the average Gen Xers spent 25% more time on social apps than Gen Z. So they spent more time, but the number of people actually like online and engaging was Gen Z. So Gen Z users in the U S engaged 19% more than millennials. That's, that's substantial. Yeah. So it's wow. a big chunk. That's crazy. I think a lot of that probably has to do with less being in less situations where you can't be on your phone, right? Like, I feel like you, in almost their whole daily life, they can watch stuff. Whereas like, if you were on at a job and you were constantly on your phone, you'd get fired. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Whereas, so true. Whereas, <laughs> at, whereas at school, like you can get away with watching stuff on your phone. They don't really care. They're, you either pass or you fail, whatever. It's not no skin off their back. But if you're at a job, like there's a little more accountability. So there's less time that you can time. Be yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Especially since like you open the app, you'll spend like maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes on it. And then you close it. Like when you come home from work, but mm -hmm. these kids are like opening it, looking through it for like a couple of minutes and closing again, opening it again later on. So I think that's like the, like you said, the complete disparity between it. Yeah. And there's so many opportunities for like it to be used as a, like a, a boring blanket basically. Whereas if you're bored, you can just <laughs> fill the time. Whereas if, yes. like, whereas if you're at a job, or whatever people are watching you. So if you're constantly scrolling on TikTok, it's not the best yeah. look. Nah. I mean, so. it is for us because that is our entire job. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but for the, for the most people, they would be frowned upon, I feel. Absolutely. But again, this, I, this really helps people who are in social media spaces, who are in ad spaces, especially I've had a lot of friends come up to me who do advertising for Facebook and they do advertising for Google for their companies. And they're like, 
how do we reach this new audience? Because apparently they're not online. Well, <laughs> they are. I want to inform you, they are. <laughs> they absolutely are. And they're actually engaging more than any other generation, which is crazy. Yeah, I think that's that's totally true. And I think why that's so important is because I think they're on it so much that to communicate directly to them, you have to understand the culture better because they do, if it makes sense, right? Whereas like they, they understand the pulse, the different humor, like the, the culture that comes from being online like that, like in terms of so new socials, what I would call it, like the micro scrolling constantly. So, so to communicate directly to them, you really have to speak their language. Absolutely. Well, and this kind of, I know we've talked about Be Real and you're still not in the camp of Be Real and I'm starting to kind of get into the camp of Be Real, Okay. which is very interesting for me. Actually, I sent a text to all of, all of my friends last night, I'm like, get on this app. You need to be on this app. And all of them are like, why? Why, why do you like this? Wow. So I believe in like, it's fun. I'm never, I've never been a hater in that regard. I'm a hater in its long-term sustainability as a business and as a platform. That, that's my whole issue with it. So do you now, you now think it's going to be a viable business? I think since it has private funding, I think it could be more viable. I'm just not sure why investors want to invest in it. I guess that's mm. my main takeaway. Like how long are they going to have private investors into this company? But I have seen more and more companies actually getting on the app. Yes. And trying to brand themselves, trying to market themselves. Like Elf just did it. Like we talked about Chipotle doing it. What's some, Elf? It's a makeup brand. Okay, cool. And so they're trying to figure out different ways to reach Gen Z and reach younger audiences. And like, how do you be authentic on this app? Do we have user numbers for, for Be Real? Like in terms of the breakdown of how old people are? I don't. Let me check. Because I'd be interested. I feel like most of them would be probably millennials, would be my guess. Millennials or Gen Z? Yeah, I think it would be more millennials. Really? Yeah. You think older people are on it? Well, maybe like the lower end of the millennials, but like the people who grew up with Instagram to the Mm -hmm. point where they now want something different or like more like what it was. Anytime that I've been on it or like there's like that feed that's just like explore feed almost. Yeah. And every single person on the Explore feed looks very young to me. <laughs> yeah, it could be way off. I, I'm just curious uh, to see. We know that it has 10 million downloads to date, which is absolutely wild. Oh, United States is number one for the most downloads with France following and then the UK. So the demographics breakdown of Be Real iPhone app users by age group and gender. This is from April, so it's mm. a little older, but... It looks like a majority are Gen Zs. Okay. Especially like in Australia, Brazil, France, the UK, and the United States. Yeah. The US is like very split though. It looks like there's a little bit more millennials Mm -hmm. in the US. They've also got a, a, I'd be curious to see how the year end of these numbers break down because there's been so many people flooding to this app. Like even, so what, you see these numbers are from April? Yeah, it says April 2022. Yes. These other metrics that I found looks like the the download numbers are like so much higher now this is crazy what is the change for you so what has sold you on it more since we last spoke honestly i think it's just kind of i've had more and more friends be on it okay so and i think that's been like the massive difference because when it was just like me and three other people i was like (laughs) okay whatever i don't really care but I have friends who actually are like 
once you get that notification, you better post no matter where you're at. And I find that really funny. So I've had like friends like post from public bathrooms, just like random office jobs, just anywhere and everywhere. And so I think it's, it's added more humor to the app for me. If you're a social media manager working for a brand or whatnot, like, would you pitch that they should be on Be Real? No, but I do think that they need to kind of go on it and see what's happening on there because I think that's going to be really beneficial for other social media strategies for other platforms. Okay, and so you mean more like seeing what people, like why people like it? Yeah, seeing why people like it, seeing what people are posting on there. I mean, you're on TikTok and you see Be Real all the time on TikTok. You're seeing Be Real. Anytime I get a newsletter now from a company, it has like that Be Real symbol. Wow. And it's like eye-catching. And so I'm just, I'm seeing it more and more in our society and just like marketing in general. So I find it, I, I see that we need to be on it and kind of watching it. Not, I don't know if brands and businesses need to be on it just yet, though. I think there will be people like Chipotle and the brands that you've mentioned, too, that if because they're early movers, they can be very creative with it. And they'll probably get a ton of very underpriced attention. But that that, that whole thing is my whole issue with it is how do the masses make this? Because if, if it's going to be a social media platform, like the network effect has to come into play. And there has to be enough people for it to all make sense for everyone. And people need to make money at the end of the day. Like it's... It's a business. So I'm curious to see how they can do that. I don't know how that's going to be achieved. Because do you think the next iteration would be like videos at some point? Or like how do you advance it from where it is? Because like that's right now it's a feature. I wouldn't even say it's an app. It's a feature. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like how do you bring that to a level where it's a business and it's an app? Well, and also how do you – like they just introduced the – where you can find people on the app and you can actually get more suggestions to people to follow. Okay. Like that's and, just something that's new. And so is that through like suggestions or through your contacts? Like how do they do that? So it's through your people that you're already connected with and then their followers and their followers' followers. So it's very similar to how Instagram kind of suggests you people. Okay. So they just released that and I just – I don't know where this could go. Like, obviously, ads will have to be there at some point if they want to make any revenue. But I also feel like it's data collection because if you actually read the terms and conditions, they can track what you're scrolling through on other platforms. Okay. And they can collect all those cookies. And so I don't know where this data is going. I don't know what they're actually using the data for. Yeah. But it could be for something that they're going to later release on the platform. Another thing that's a little strange about it and I guess it's through the design is very deliberate, is that once you post something after the window's over, other people can't see it, right? What do you mean? Like they, people can't come to your profile and see your older be real, oh, can they? No, no, they can't. So that's that's another thing where it's like, how do you, I don't know, it, it's just so foreign. Maybe that's something that's going to be fantastic, but like that's so strange <laughs> to me because everything you're doing is gone. But I guess it's not an audience development platform. It's an audience connection platform, I guess. Yeah, it's for connection. It's for instant gratification. It's to see what people are doing in that moment and you have to be authentic <laughs> Authentic. <laughs> i've seen some really really funny tiktoks of people making fun of the authenticity i'm saying that in air quotes because people will really stage their be reels to make sure they're 100%. looking good yeah. so which is to be expected but it's it's funny i love the ones where people are at concerts and they like hand their phone to the like the singer 
And like the That's singer will like take the B-reel for them. There's one with this guy, Louis Capaldi. And he was like, I know this isn't being real because I got my notification three hours ago. That's awesome. That, that actually is a super cool application for it. And I also saw some people kind of like messing with the feature a bit by like throwing their phone or whatever after they take the first one. I guess it's a slight, slight delay. And then this, it looks so cool when they see both angles. So like that's, that's cool. But it's still for me, it's a feature. Like, I, I'm curious to see how they grow on it. Same. But again, I'm liking it more, but I think it's only just because I'm having more and more friends on it. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see if that can be a place where they can keep them. Because obviously it's great because more and more people are coming to connect with you and whatnot, but how long do they stay, right? That's the curious thing I'm, I would love to see. Well, and I'm wondering, I know like we both post on it like occasionally. I'm wondering, do you actually go back when you get notified that somebody posted late? Do you actually go back to the app to look at that or do you just ignore it? Sometimes it'll be a reminder to for me to post, but once I've posted, not really. Same. So, you know and I, I think mean? that's a flaw in the system because once I'm done and I have done my little be real, I don't go back to the app when I've been notified that other people have posted late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's very true. It's a great reminder to post if you haven't already, but once you do, it's it's you've, you've been real. <laughs> you've done it. Yeah, you've done your thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic point. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but like we did a little bit of research before and you saw that there's a ton of VC money in, in this. So there's obviously a bigger play that, that, that we're not privy to. So it'll be interesting. To see. It'll be, like, I'm really fascinated to see how they grow this thing. Like I'm As, as like a business person who's in social, I'm really intrigued by the people. I'm sure there's people who are way smarter than me who have way better ideas. <laughs> and I'm just curious to see them come to life. Same. Absolutely. And the final thing, and I'm sure you've seen this because I've seen it absolutely everywhere. And it's, yeah. if you have been on social media at all this week, you've seen it. It's that meme that's been going around on Instagram about the precise location. Yes. I, everywhere. I, absolutely everywhere. And at first when I saw it, I was like, oh no, like I can be stalked because I posted my location with this story or whatever. And Instagram immediately had to go on Twitter and like basically go, guys, this is wrong. This is absolutely incorrect. Obviously, Apple has this precise location button in their settings, like for privacy, but it's not just us. It's every single app out there. And I'm curious why Instagram was the one that was singled out for this. So I saw in a lot of people... I saw actually multiple people posted as like a, a warning saying that when you post a piece of content and if you have it flicked on, then people who go look, who click the location, it's not just the location, it's their exact location. So that's not the case you're saying, right? Yeah. So it basically what it is, is that every single one of your apps, if you have, if you're an Apple iPhone user, every single one of your apps has the precise location turned on. And what it's for is for those social media apps to kind of figure out exactly where you're at so they can offer locations to you when you're going to post. So like when you're posting, I don't know, like a reel or if you're posting just like a carousel post or anything like that, when you go like tag location, it'll pull up all these different locations because it's based on your precise location. Okay. Yeah. And so... They were just where, so. Then where did this all come from? If this is not anything new, like, like what was the catalyst for this? Where everyone started freaking out? I think it was because there was a new iPhone update. 
Okay. And I think somebody probably went into their phone, noticed that this like precise location has been on there and was turned on. And they probably only noticed it for Instagram and didn't actually go in and check other apps. But I mean, this is me just completely assuming. <laughs> so this is definitely an assumption. So I could be wrong. But that's what I'm kind of thinking. It was like this and they didn't check the other apps. And then they're like, oh, well, this could be a post that I could be posting about. And that went viral obviously and yeah oh, true that, make, that would make total sense so i don't know it was just something that i feel like i need to protect instagram in this just with this one instance this is the only time i'll protect them but i think if we're going to be mad we need to be mad at all social media apps and if you want to turn it off it's really really easy all you have to do is go into your privacy settings on your iphone go to the location, click one of the apps and just turn it off. It's really simple to do. Yeah. And in, in the video that I saw, I saw he walked through how to do it. So it was very straightforward. And hey, I guess like I, I went through and did it, but um, I guess <laughs> I, it didn't make too much of a difference. But I did go through and uh, and do it just because I was confused. I, I was confused by the whole thing, but I'm glad that you clarified that. Yeah, it's been debunked by a couple of people who are like, nope, like nobody can actually stalk you with using this precise location at it's just like a general location of where you're at. It's not the exact GPS coordinates. Oh, okay. And I think that's what a lot of people are scared about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is what everyone who talked about it made it sound just like that. Yeah. Like, this is the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> you are now going to be stalked tomorrow, which is obviously a very concerning thing. So we don't want that. Well, yeah, absolutely. But even if you take a photo on your iPhone, I don't know how this is on Android. I've never had an Android but when you scroll up on the photo and you can see exactly where you took that photo, it has an exact GPS location of that photo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm familiar with that. It's crazy. That's creepy. <laughs> Absolutely, that is. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, social media, phones, GPS systems, it's all, it's all things that we have. Technology, it's great. It is, it's fantastic. But it is, it is crazy to think about the... Uh, applications of this stuff with and a lot of people like aren't I, I do think that there is really important to understand what is being tracked so that you at least understand how someone could use it in, in a not great way but mass hysteria does set in pretty often with things like this and sometimes it's not a reason to be concerned or or yeah. any more concerned than most other things we do online yeah i think once somebody says something it completely snowballs to the point where we don't know what's true and what's false i think mm. that happens all the time on social media and just like the internet in general i mean spreading of misinformation and just all that kind of stuff happens so quickly and easily and it's hard to kind of say nope nope this is misinformation when it's been spread so quickly oh once it's been consumed it's now the truth which is awesome yeah. which is crazy because it's <laughs> almost never the case but yeah. uh yeah once it's once it's been consumed it's done yeah, welcome to 2022, almost 2020. Oh, good. <laughs> welcome to 2022, where everything online is real. It has to be. Has you read it online. <laughs> you can't double check. You can't fact check. We don't do that around here. We're all about efficiency here in 2022, okay? So we go <laughs> with our gut. <laughs> we go with our gut, and we go with where the algorithm takes us. It's, just, it's, it's the way I like to live my life. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking of algorithms... I'm going to go on a little tangent here because I find this so fascinating. I was talking to friends about this this week is do you think audio form like for podcast is dead? I don't think it'll ever be dead, but I think 
video is becoming more and more of a necessity. So like, I don't think that independently that like, people will stop listening to audio podcasts. I think that will always be a thing because of how passive it can be. But I think as a way of getting people in the door, you're going to want to offer video more and more. I think it's becoming a near necessity at the point where we are. Also because of what we talked about so many times, it's the holy grail of content multi- like repurposing because you can do so many things with it and cut it up into so many different ways. And it still performs well. Like that was always the biggest issue before where people were like, oh, well, people won't watch a podcast clip. Well, that's not been debunked millions of times over because people do it every single day. So I think if you have the ability to, definitely I think that almost everyone would be silly not to have the video portion because it's just so much more stimulating and you can do so much more with it. But I think that people will always consume audio podcasts because there's just think about the applications of when it's great. So say you're at the gym, long workout or a long drive, you shouldn't be watching a video. So it's like, I think the video might get someone in the door and then giving them the options is a great way to look at it. How about, how about you? I'm kind of concerned that it might be for, I don't know. I'm like, this is where I'm at in two minds about it because I have been listening to podcasts since they were released in like what, 2005 yeah. And like one of my first podcasts was The Nerdist and I was obsessed with like listening to all things nerdy and I still am to this point to this day. But I don't like consuming video podcasts. I never have. And really? so like it, they keep popping up on my like TikTok and be like two girls at a mic or two guys at a mic just like speaking and I'm like, "Yeah, it's fine, but it's not engaging for me personally." And I definitely understand how it gets more and more people through the door, especially as we are completely saturated with podcasts. But I just, I just want like to listen to somebody in my ears. I don't need to like look at them while they speak into a microphone. Really? Yeah. And for some reason, when I actually looked up some of the people that I used, like I've been listening to for years and I like looked up their Instagram, I was like, oh, you are not the person that I thought you were. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like their voice didn't match up with their face. Wow. It's so funny how we do that as, as people. And so it just kind of made me not want to listen to it anymore. And I don't know why that was, re- it's really bad of me because all I can think of is like what they like now look like. And it completely took me out of the podcast. That's so not like strange. that they were a bad looking person. I'm just saying like for my brain just couldn't compute. That's but- hilarious. <laughs> It's just, it was really hard for me. And so I'm just like, you know what? I want people just speaking to me in my ears. I don't need to see them. And I say this as somebody who's probably going to split up this clip and post it on our own social media so people can come in and <laughs> please listen to our podcast. That's hilarious. Yeah, no, I, I think that I, I love the the video element of it. So it's so funny to hear the different side of it because like I... I love that so much. And I would much prefer watching the video over listening to it. I, depending on what I'm doing, obviously, if I'm driving, I, I won't. But like I, I listen to Colin and Samir's podcast all the time. And, and I've actually, I've never listened to it. I just realized that I've only ever watched it. So that's really intriguing that like I love that podcast. But I've, I've never consumed it with my headphones. Yeah, like back, like just in my the, headphones. back in the day when Rogan was just on, what was he, just on YouTube? Or he was, I mean, he was on other platforms, but like his biggest platform was YouTube. I never actually like listened to him on YouTube. It was only through whatever podcast platform that he was on. And then I was dating somebody at the time who was like, what do you mean you never watch him? Like we need to watch him. And I was just, I had to sit through three hours of watching this man just speak into a microphone. It's just like, it was done. I was like, nope, can't do this. You'd had enough. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I think it's a different strokes for different folks, but I personally love the whole video element of it because I can see like the expressions behind what they're saying and try to figure out what they, that means. I just find that it helps me retain more information. And I, and I listen to a lot of education-based podcasts, so I just find that it helps. Yeah, maybe it's because I only listen to entertainment, like The Ringer and like things about movies and books, and I'm just like going on my silly little mental health walks and listening to people talking about comedy shows. <laughs> yeah, maybe that, so maybe like the other th- the other elements would actually detract from the point of value that brought you there in the first place. Yeah, I think so because rather than enhance it. Yeah, one of the biggest ones that I used to listen to was a Lord of the Rings one. And as somebody who's never seen or watched Lord of the Rings or read Lord of the Rings, I would listen to this podcast about it. No idea okay. why. That's For so some funny. reason, it was the only reason, like the only way that I could consume it. That's crazy. And I think it helps because when I was going on these walks, it was like during the height of the pandemic, when I would go on these walks through the park, it was almost like an audiobook for me. Like it, I could like visualize like what was happening and what they're talking about. And I felt like I was with two friends on a walk. Just so no, nerdy. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, not at all. It's it's very intimate. Like the the experience of people being in your ears right like just like because it does feel like just a conversation that you'd have so yeah I, I think for that point you might actually be right on I think that's very true where if you're just like because when you put it on a screen there's more of a divide I feel whereas with I think in so, your, yeah whereas if they're in your head it literally feels like it's a conversation that you could be having or you're a fly on the wall whereas if you're watching a video it's a lot more like you're watching like you're they're on a pedestal kind of thing right and, and you're just consuming so I think, yeah, you might be that, – that's actually very, very true. So it's probably – our different opinions on it is probably just because of the different type of shows that we consume. Yeah, I think that's that. And I'm curious if you think it might be – and this could be like very stereotypical, like I'm just doing this. But I wonder if it's because you're male and I'm female. That could yeah. be really interesting because – Totally. Like I feel like men are more like visual and they like like seeing things and like t- people talking. I know this like s- sounds – I'm getting very – weird about this but like and then we just like hear like we like listening and like talking and yeah no I think you could be absolutely onto something like I feel I don't like to hear like I want to see the why and, and like how yeah, this yeah, is yeah. becoming a thing whereas I feel like maybe it's because and maybe I'm totally wrong here but I feel like women have more of a, a better imagination than guys do whereas we're like we want to see it right in front of us whereas girls can be like oh I want I want to tell my own story through their story whereas we're like no show me it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm definitely much more visual, for sure. Like, am I, like, I can... You can hear something and then put it, put put the imagery together. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I'm, like, kind of lazy that way. I'm like, I want to see it. You know, you know what I mean? So, and I'm, I'm not speaking for all dudes. I'm sure there, there are a ton of people that aren't like me, but... Uh, Same here. Yeah. I'm not speaking for all women. We are, we are not sexist. We are just trying to figure out why this could be. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're along for the journey. But it is interesting. I love podcasts. I don't think they're going away at all. And I think the fact that we're investing time into this every single week speaks to the fact yes. that we believe in it. And I think I really do think that there will be some sort of innovation in the next few years that will dramatically change the discovery of podcasts and make it so much easier. And I think that that will be something that changes everything and i think there'll be a resurgence like three or four years ago everyone was starting a podcast and then it's really mm-hmm. slowed down i think in the yeah. next four or five years it'll be the same sort of uptake because they'll be like wow we gotta do this and i think that the social platforms jumping on the wave like twitter and youtube are only the beginning of what, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think someone will come up with a great idea and then one of the big platforms will probably buy it or something but then it'll <laughs> become like a serious thing that changes the, the biggest issue with podcasting which is currently discovery 
Yeah. I mean, it was just something that we talked about last week. It's like Twitter keeps saying that they got the technology that's going to actually give people the podcast that they're going to be more interested in. So like the things that they offer you or they recommend is going to be much more in line to things that you're actually going to like than the things that Apple or Spotify recommends to you. Yeah. Cause at the point right now, they're very loosely connected things that they recommend. Right. So I think yeah. that the more sophisticated they can get their recommendations algorithms down, I think that'll be really exciting. And I love podcasts because it, I feel like it's a lot more substantial. And when you commit to a podcast, it's almost like the anti TikTok, whereas TikTok's all just fluff being thrown at you. Whereas here, it's far deeper concentration on the subjects that you know that you want more on, right? Which I really, really like. So I am very pro podcast. Same. I love podcasts. Can I recommend a podcast that I've been like binging like crazy? You should absolutely do that. So it's a podcast from The Ringer and it's called The Hottest Take. The Hottest Take. They are six to 10 minutes long. They're very, very short. Oh, wow. And basically somebody comes on and gives their hottest take on something and they have to argue why they believe in it so much. And I think it's a great podcast. It's wonderful just to listen to, to if you think the same way that they do or if you disagree and it kind of helps you debate and like cultivate your argument. That's so cool. So is The Ringer a podcast network? Because I've heard you mention it that. Is. I, okay, that's what yeah. it is. Okay, very cool. So I really, really like that one. And there's one called The Alphabet on there where they argue if the alphabet should be A, B, C, D, E, F, G anymore or if it should be something different. And I agree. Wait, you agree in what? For which way? <laughs> I agree that it should be different. <laughs> and what is this difference that you'd like? I think it should be QWERTY, like the QWERTY keyboard, because that's how we type. That's how we think now. And we know exactly how the QWERTY is on the keyboard. And I don't think it should be A, B, C, D, E, F, G anymore. So you think the beginning of the alphabet should start with a Q? Yes. That's the craziest thing I think I've ever heard. Well, is it crazy or is it correct? Because all we do is use our phones and we use keyboards and the, it starts with a Q. But do you know why that's, it is like that? I don't. There was, there was some sort of, because of typewriters. And so they had to do it for some sort of functionality purpose. So they had to format it like that. And people just became accustomed to that design flaw. And that became the norm. So that was really just a limitation from original typewriters that they just, that never went away. So it's like really stupid that we do like, <laughs> so, so now we're changing our whole language because that was a design flaw. I'm, uh, we are right, changing well. our language for a design flaw. Hey, I'm here for it. I hope it goes well. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, do you have a creator that you would like to highlight this week? I do. I do actually. And it is a friend of mine named Steve. His full name is Steven. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Meller or Mellor, M-E-L-L-O-R. But he's a great guy, and he has some of the best educational content for people like marketers and social media managers, creators. And he does it all or mostly through imagery. So he will draw oh, cool. really easy to understand pictures, basically, that walk through the education. And it makes it so easy to consume. And he is a designer by trade. I believe it's a UI or UX designer is what he did professionally. So he's able to, to deliver these like, complex subjects in a very visually and easy to understand way. So he's awesome. His, his handle is at the Stephen Meller on both Instagram and TikTok. And he has some of the best education content out there. Amazing. I can't wait to check him out. That sounds awesome. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's great. And hopefully we'll get him on the show at some point because he's awesome. Yeah. Hi, Steve. Come join us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, this was the end of the episode. We hope you enjoyed. If you did, please give us a five-star review. It really helps us get 
shown to other people and so we just want more listeners please give us help us do that that's it yeah share us with a friend that would also enjoy the social media marketing space and we would love to get them part of the team so we can chop it up every week absolutely and please follow us over on instagram at flick.social on tiktok at flick.social ben has been doing some really great tiktoks over there that are super educational and also you know funny of course that's what we're all about <laughs> so, so and there'll be plenty more to come so i'm um, got some getting edited right now that will be popping off so you don't want to miss them go over and follow please do and then as always our all of our social handles are in the show notes and we will see you next time see you then Bye.